Well, well, hello there, hello there. Don't call to come back, my, my, how far we've come. Mm-mm-mm. We listen to that episode 98. Once again, once again, I'm a man of the people, so I'm here with a very requested guest. This is the most requested guest on the Tone Junkie podcast, at least this week. We've had a, we've, <laughs> at least this week. <laughs> Stu G is here, Yay. everybody. Hi, everyone. Good to be with you. Uh, and the crowd goes wild, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, doing good, thanks. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, encouraged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've been busy, haven't we? Yeah, we have. We have been working on a lot of stuff. Yeah. But before we get into that, uh, what are you holding there? That's a beautiful guitar. I always yep. like to ask people about to uh, ask people about a guitar, and uh, okay. even if it's not your number one guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that it, it would be hard, but I, I probably would save this one if my house was on fire. So this that's the one that this is probably the one yeah. yeah either that or my gold top but whichever was closest to the right. door probably at the time but <laughs> this is my uh, 90s Les Paul standard and um, it uh, you know the, from the the Delirious album King of Fools onwards yeah this was kind of like my main guitar yeah um, on the records and uh and live uh this and my telly and my 135 you know they were like real standards Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so um over the years i've uh uh, you know you can see some wear and tear from my uh kilt belt yeah you know but uh um and since i've known you I've seen that guitar change a couple times yeah yeah Yeah. so i've i've had a few i've made a few changes to it um, I didn't touch it for years and years. And then, um, uh, so currently pickup wise in here, I've got a Grizzly in the, in the neck. Veritas Grizzly. Veritas Grizzly. Yeah. And then I've got a, um, third power Magfrag in the bridge. Yeah. Um, which is a superb yeah. pickup. Yeah. I might be the only guitar with that combination of pickups. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, but, um, also what I've done is I've put the, I've made a global tone cause normally, you know, like these, these are the volumes for these two pickups. Yeah, normally you've got right. tones for the separate pickups. I've made this a global tone and then I've made this a low cut, like a high pass filter yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, kind of a base contour as uh, reverend call it. But, um, so I used to, I, I had a couple of reverends for a while and I loved that control. Yeah. Um, and so, especially with something like the Grizzly, which is quite fat, um, I can kind of, you know, roll off some low end and kind of make it sound a little bit more like a P90 and, uh, it's incredibly useful. Yeah. And I'm still experimenting with capacitors and values of the potentiometer and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, but, yeah. um, I'm, I'm kind of happy with how it is right now. Well, tone is a, tone is a journey. It's so a journey, never, never ending, right? No, it's never ending. You yeah. never quite get there. You, and maybe when you get there, you wonder if there's somewhere else to go, and then you wander away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yes. I mean, that uh, it's like that making profiles and making presets, isn't it? Like you, you, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you start second-guessing yourself. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, um, and then you come back the next morning and say, oh, that actually sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and... It, 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 I find myself going in these cycles yeah. where I want to, I want more and then I want less. Yeah. You know, I want every sound, every pickup, every profile. Yeah. A lot of people might be saying, what are you talking about? When did you ever want less? You're, yeah. su- you're surrounded by amps and guitar. What a ridiculous yeah. thing for me to say. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, 
But uh, you kind of go through these like I want, I want more. Like maybe for me, it's uh, I want I will gotta have five guitars because yeah. one's a telly, one's a strat, and then and then sort of you come back to this thing like, well, maybe I could just get this one to do more. Yeah, and I I just want this thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's a never-ending. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is the pen and the pendulum never stops in the middle, does it? Yeah. No, that's it keeps right. I think going, keeps... you know, like we all want options, which is why we have so much stuff. But at the end of the day, like what it really comes down to is creating some magic on a track, right? Yeah. And uh, um, and you've got one guitar and one amp in, the, in that situation. Yeah. So having the options is is great, but I find myself going back to a, f- a few guitars and a few sounds yeah you know yeah um i'll tell you something i played it on the last episode i won't play it again on this one but it was a clip of me from a sunday morning yeah and you know this little outro lead starts and as so- as soon as i get to you know two three notes in I just smile the smile on my face is big and the camera just pans right over to me and you just see me smiling and I sent it to uh, I sent it to Suze, and I said, Suze, this is when you know the tone's good. When yeah. you're happy, like yeah. when you're elated, it's just yeah. sound, you know. And and I just remember thinking, like, ah, oh, what a great lead tone. You know? yeah. <laughs> like as soon as I started playing, right? That's kind of the feeling when it just some, when you just you're you're playing a song and it's just it just sits just right yeah. and it just sounds it sounds like something you'd perk up and take notice of yeah. if someone else was That's right. was playing it, you yeah. know. And uh, it is a good feeling. So um, that's a really awesome guitar. It always sounds great. Uh, I'm going to check it out. There's a great clip I found on, uh, we were shooting some demos and that guitar sounds incredible. And that's why I want to ask you about it um, because it sounds killer. Here's one of the new profiles uh, that we've been working on. Yeah. What a tone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I forget actually how good the stomps on the Kemper are. Yeah. You know, and uh, that was one thing when we were working on this new stuff, you you sort of put in 
uh, several stomps, the Kemper fuzz and the green scream and the green scream and like the King of tone algorithm. Yep. And I was, and you were showing it to me at one point and I, I thought, Oh yeah, one profile can get all these sounds, which is something I instinctively kind of do on the helix because yeah. it has all of these, you know, there's blocks you put in and you know, you kind of assign yeah. an on off switch. But a lot of times on the Kemper, my mind is like dirtier or cleaner with the amp itself, yeah. Yeah. you know? And, uh, and then it, it, at least for me, like in, when I'm when I'm playing in performance mode, I tend to jump to another rig and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I do too. Yeah, but um, you know the uh, I, I want to I I feel like I want to use the camper like I use an amp. Like I mean that's probably old school, right? <laughs> but um, uh, you know I want something with um, you know a good bit of headroom mm-hmm. and just a, on the edge of breakup. I mean it's a classic thing to say. Sure. Um, sure. So I'm often finding myself using the uh, third or fourth setting of gain, and then mm-hmm. winding it back a little bit, and um, and then using the stomps or putting my pedal board in on there. Yeah. Yeah. You primarily play the pedal board into the into the unit. If Is I'm using cr- it live, I yeah. predominantly do do yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you've been using uh, you use the HX stomp and the Helix a fair amount now. Yeah. Like I mean, you've been. I, I feel like I've been seeing you use it more and more. Is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I've done a gig with the uh, the stomp. Uh, the um, I've I've done a gig with the Helix, and um, uh, and then I've actually been taking the stomp um, on the road uh, with a dual amp setup that mm-hmm. I can plug my pedal board into. Yeah. Um, as a, I mean, it's like calling it a backup is a little bit less than what it what it's worthy of. But um, yeah. uh, if you know when you're flying around. Um, might be going to another country or something. You're not quite sure what what backline you're going to get. Yeah, right. So I, I think you know. I still like if if the stages are big enough. I still like to hear an amp sure. on the stage. But um, the front of house and monitor engineers they love it when I go direct, and yeah. they they love the Kemper, they love the Stomp, they love the Helix. You know. Yeah, yeah. People on the internet have opinions, but um, yeah. everybody I know who plays them live always says they get great feedback from yeah. from engineers and stuff totally um let's talk so let's what did we let's talk about what we made and then and then i got yeah. i got a bunch of questions for you that people sure. sent in so um we have uh, sort of refreshed the stoogie collection we have we've made new profiles of uh what did we do the ac30 we did the ac30 yeah. the 62 ac30 the 62 ac30 and the park and the park and and you had had sort of those amps looked at yeah so um uh, you know, old amps, you need to get them checked at least every year. And mm-hmm, I hadn't mm-hmm. probably hadn't for a couple of years. And so, uh, yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah. And so I, um, had them, had them looked at, um, and, uh, had them worked on and on the park, for instance, um, we changed a couple of, um, a couple of components mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. brought the low end end in, a little bit more usable and um and tamed the high end a little bit yeah um and uh and, and i think it's sounding amazing and so what you know we we had a chat and think we should refresh that pack plus the other thing was that we the last time we we did that we did that at another studio and yeah, uh, yeah. And, and since i'd built my studio yeah you know just wanted to kind of see what it was like with my chain you know yeah and we've been doing stuff since at your studio like yeah. um 
what amps did we do at your studio? So the, the first one's the, the AC30, the Park, the Arshul, maybe the, um, the dual, uh, the Roadster. Uh, the Mesa, uh, the Mesa. Uh, that's a, a tremover. Uh, tremover. Yeah. Um, that we did. Uh, yeah. In the old studio, right? We did that yeah. in another studio, and then we did um, the latest stuff, like the stu- the studio pack. Well, yeah, the Stoogie studio pack was yeah. in your studio, right? That's right. And um, and then we did the Monarch this time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. we brought. I have noticed uh, piggybacking on what you're saying there. I have noticed, yes, that you you get vintage amps. You think you know the way they sound. And then someone goes through them, replaces things that are failing. You get them back. They're louder, cleaner, punchier. Yeah. And maybe sounding more like they did when they were new, I yeah. would suppose, is kind of how. I guess so, yeah. But yeah, they the sound does change yeah. over time, you know. Yep. Uh, vol- I find volume seems to go down. And um, whenever I get a, a, an old amp serviced, it gets, it gets like cleaner and louder. Yeah, that's right. Which uh, kind of, uh, I think, is a, is a cool... Uh, is a cool feature, but both those yeah. both those amps sound great. And then, you know, we, uh, you know, we, uh, I sort of, I, I felt like I was Morbius holding the pills in front of you. You know, red red pill, blue pill, stew. Do you want a tone match? Yeah. And the and the, you know and the gear page went crazy and said uh, you can't do that. You can't tone match. You know, tone match does, you know. But but we did it. How do you think the tone matching stuff came out? We yeah. made tone matches for Helix for HX Stomp. Yeah, we did. I, I'm pretty blown away. Yeah. yeah. Actually. Uh, um, you know, I, I always thought the, the Helix sounded good, um, but honestly, the tone-matched IRs are a drastic improvement, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. Not everyone feels that No. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, isn't it? Like, everyone can think what they think. But. It is. It is. There are bastions of the internet that, uh, you know, yeah. you know, you wander over to certain places. <laughs> this is where I'm going to say the name and then I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm not responsible for what the audience does next. You know, I was on the gear page. I swear I didn't edit that in. I didn't edit the booze in. They were there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, y- you know, a lot of people have a really strong opinion that it's a gimmick. It's marketing. It's not, you can just sort of do that on the helix, but my, my opinion of when I first started the tone matching stuff has been, okay, this now sounds much more like my amp with these mics and not to say that I couldn't get a good sound before, but now I have a sound I wasn't really, I didn't know how to dial it in. Yeah. I didn't sort of know how to get the presence and the stuff to sound like my mic setup like it does now. What What's your thought on how it sounds compared to just using a straight IR in there. Yeah. Um, you know how like some manufacturers have like the Celestian thing and the, and the two notes stuff, they have like dynamic IR cabinets, right. Or or whatever. And you can sort of, uh, adjust and move and, and stuff like that. The, the tone match stuff, it reminds me of, of that in some ways, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you can, take an IR that sounds good yeah, and make it sound great, mm-hmm. you know, and the, um, the, the tone match stuff that we've done, I mean, I seriously have been blown away by it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I just think it's a big improvement. There's something just, and I don't know what it is, um, but it's just something just more sort of open, 
and natural sounding in the presence to me. Yeah. That just really, to me, captures the the thing. Yeah. You know, that like makes me think it's an amp. Yeah. You know, an amp mic'd up, but an, but an amp. Yeah. You know? No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And I, I feel like, you know, you're not, you're not stuck with the, um, you, like you can still change your amp parameters mm-hmm. in the Helix yes. and yeah. it still sounds just as good. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. We, I, we, I was pretty blown away with you when we were sitting there going, what are we going to, we have this, um, this Monarch, this Benson Monarch yeah. amp and we had profiled it and it sounded great. And then we said, let's tone match it. And I mm-hmm. thought, what are we going to tone match it to? Yeah. And I instantly sort of sat there. I was at, we were at your place and uh, I said, well, what, I wonder what other people have used. And I was going to go look it up. I was going to go look up what Brian and Bradford had used. Cause they, I know I think they had done a I tone think match. Have, yeah. yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. but I haven't looked at the patch. Yeah. And so I just thought, you know, I'm going to try the, the Prince, the, the, the U S princess. Yeah. And I did that kind of, and this is, this is not a good reason, but I went, that has about as many knobs as the, right. Prince. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought to myself, there's no master. It's yeah. a simple EQ stack. Yeah. And that's what that amp feels like. It feels like a kind of a vintage setup on an amp. It's just yeah. sounds good. And you turn it up and it gets dirtier. Yeah. And I thought, let me use that and let's try it. Now we did it with the US setting and I thought it was great. Yeah. And then we were like, let's flip over to UK, tone match it, see if it still feels good when yeah. we do it. And it did. It did. And I was like, oh I mean, wow, this is really cool. It was almost uh closer. To the original than the AC30 and the Park, right? You know, it, <laughs> it was. It definitely took less manipulation. Yeah, it was really on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, um, so anyway, that's in there. That's yeah. in the. That's in what we created. So we did some tone match stuff and some Kemper, yeah. uh, you know, profile stuff and. Yeah, and, and I'm actually uh, working on some uh, tone match diodes for the ACS1 and Iridium as well. So yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be coming uh, shortly. It's coming very soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, soon. soon. Very soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where, uh, whenever we, whenever we get them out, I mean, yeah. honestly, it, 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 um, soon, sooner than yeah. later. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to, uh, to see how those come out. Cause I, yeah. I haven't done much experimenting, but it's something that interests me yeah. right now. And, and I, I think it, it's, yeah. it's worth saying right now, you know, in the future, like we might increase that pack with different microphones and what have you, what have you. But, you know, as a, as a signature pack, like I wanted to start with, yeah like less is more in some way in terms yeah. of like what well, these are what I actually use. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we, we can like create some options later, but, um, yeah. And they're yeah. all done with your, with the, um, the Panther, right. Yeah. And the, uh, five, four, five, five, four, five. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm yeah. It's an old, uh, I've got two, two old five, four, fives. Yeah. 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 That's right. And, uh, so that's sort of, um, I mean, that's sort of your, that's how you mic the amps. Yeah, and um, that Panther mic uh, to me sounds a little more. It's a ribbon, but it sounds a little more focused. Yeah, than it, a lot of like a Royer one twenty one. Yeah, it's not or, quite yeah. as dark. Yes, as a as one twenty one. It's still got plenty of bottom end, but um, like you could use that mic on its own. I was going to just say it. It almost sounds like it's voice to yeah. to just be the the. Yeah. Um, the mic there okay let's get into some fun stuff yeah you mentioned this earlier favorite guitar uh you said if if uh, if the house were on fire you might grab the les paul or the gold top 
they, people might not know you're talking about your, is it a 74, 76, yeah. mm-hmm. 74, mm-hmm. 74, uh, Les Paul deluxe yeah. gold top with the, uh, mini humbuckers, yep. which I'll tell you to me is sort of the Nashville secret guitar yep. because when I moved to town, I noticed everyone sort of had one of those and it's on everyone's like rack in the studio or wherever. Yeah. So many guys, country guys, Christian yeah. guys. I started seeing them everywhere, and all of them always said, "That's a really great sounding guitar," or yeah. "Those pickups sound really great." And yeah. now Gibson's reissued them, and they've gone really up in value. I think That's yours amazing. is, I think yours is probably worth double since we, uh, wow. <laughs> since I first have yeah. seen it. But but that's how that's how models go. You know, they're sort of under the yeah. radar. Um, but gold top. But what's your favorite? We've seen a ton of your uh, guitars and tone junkie stuff. If you had to choose one, I know this is an oh. impossible question, or, or maybe not this. How about this? I'll phrase yeah. it this way. What's your favorite like right now? Because I yeah. know that I know, you know, it, there's some guitars that maybe hold a special place in your heart. You can never get rid of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, like what do you reach for the most right now? Mm, so um, right now, right now, I am right reach- now, <laughs> right. Now. Uh, I'm reaching for my standard Les Paul and my 70 Strat. The, okay. Uh, yeah. The brown one. Yeah. The natural wood one. Yeah. Um, so those two guitars, um, I have like a, a huge kind Wait, of wait, wait. You mean this guitar? Yeah, between those two guitars, I can uh, get a whole load of uh, mm-hmm. tonal uh, space. Yeah. What's in the Strat? What pickups are in there? Yep. Um, Bill Lawrence vintage yeah. Strat pickups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard to come by these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hard to come by. Hard to come by these <laughs> Agreed. days. Agreed. Going up in value. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, all that stuff's going that. up. Yeah. 70 Strats, too. I remember right. a young HW trolling through craigslist and and uh uh uh, guitar centers and old guitar shops overlooking all sorts of 70s strats especially late 70s stuff going oh no yeah people don't like those (laughs) oh how wrong i was (laughs) now they're worth a bunch of money i'll tell you and i've got a little interesting fact about my my strat yeah is if you look closely on the uh on the clips that we've done whatever the whammy bar um, I've actually bent it up, oh, so that it um, to pitch the angle up. It, yeah, I've pitched the angle of the bar up, so it kind of you know sits like that, and it kind of fits in my palm a little bit better. Is that? Do you feel like that brings it more where a Bigsby sits? Um, hadn't really thought about that. Okay, I just yeah. wanted it to feel a little higher. more comfortable. Yeah, and okay, higher. sure. Um, because my particular one, it was almost. I mean, it wasn't flat with the strings, mm-hmm. but it was like the same. Sure. It was on the same angle, yeah. You know, and and I felt like I couldn't dip it quite as far as I so wanted to. So you just to. bent the bar. Bent the bar. It's genius. <laughs> Simple. I don't know about that. How'd you do it? Whether you just like strongmaned it? 
Um, <laughs> so I've got a friend who uh, um, is a luthier at uh, at Gruen's in mm-hmm, Nashville, mm-hmm. and uh, he did it yeah. for me. He's strong, man. Yeah, he, he's yeah. I mean, he had advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if I get advice from Lowe's or something, it's going to put marks on whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But yeah. he he had one. Okay, so fa- those are the favorites right now. Yes, but if the house is on fire, less one of the less positive. I think is going so, out. and it's it. I would think it's half sentimental and half because I love the guitar. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's uh, yeah because something like your your one thirty five, one thirty seven. Is it a five? One thirty five. One thirty five. Yeah, uh, probably has a very special place in your heart, yeah. but not always the guitar you grab for every session. No, every you know, it's not. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I still, I mean, I basically still keep hold of that guitar just in case. Uh, for the internet there is ever a uh yes, yes, delirious reunion yes, yes you know well the, hey all that that was one of the questions actually i'll right. be honest that's the number one question i feel like we get whenever it's content right, is when, yeah. when are you gonna when are you gonna bust that out and do the delirious reunion yeah yeah well um earlier this year actually martin's here no no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. hey, Martin. <laughs> oh he's, he's very shy today <laughs> yes, he's, just he, around he the refused corner. to come on camera yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, so earlier this summer, uh, we were in, I was with Mark W. Smith and we were in Budapest. Yeah. Big at, event out there. A big stadium worship event, mm-hmm. uh, which was incredible, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it turned out that it was 25 years since we played at a stadium worship event in um, in Wembley Stadium in 97. Wow. Um, and that was called Champion of the World. And... Um, there's a now like a infamous video of uh, Delirious there doing Sanctify mm-hmm. and uh, with a big crowd, you know. Anyway, so it's 25 years, and the the promoter of that event in Budapest uh, was at that original one. Yeah, and uh, he had wanted to. His vision was to do a stadium event on mainland Europe. Yeah, uh, stadium worship event, and 25 years later. You know, it happened. It was really his vision, his incredible uh, work over the years of, of making that happen. Anyway, so he really wanted, um, you know, he wanted Delirious to play. And um, Martin was there doing his thing. And so we kind of, you know, had a chat beforehand. And uh, uh, Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, you we gotta did it. Do we it. Did. So you Martin got- and I <laughs> played together and, you know, we did some... Uh, did some delirious classics in a what's, stadium. Yeah, what songs did you play? Because you joined Martin's band. You just yeah, came I joined out with Martin's band. Yeah, so we yeah. did uh, Rain Down, and we did Did mm-hmm. You Feel the Mountains Tremble? We did a bit of uh, History Maker, and uh, can't wow. remember what else. But yeah. yeah, it's like some big songs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here was a question. Now, last uh, last episode, uh, the Sues, uh, he really got a kick that you had asked him a question oh yeah and your question was something along the lines of like uh, do you remember what it was yeah it was like how do you keep coming up with interesting stuff to yes. play on demos yes he, it's like he had a good uh chuckle about how, yeah because how, when the yeah when the red light's on it's like you you oh do i actually do i actually know yeah do, do i actually know how to play guitar <laughs> i had told him how we, we had been doing a demo and you had played something kind of messed up played something messed up 
And then you said, and then you said, here, I'll, I'll just do this. And then you changed completely. Like you just played like a different song. Yeah. And then at the end you said, I had to channel my inner Suze. I think he's a great player. He, he is a great player. Yeah. He is a great player. And I, it, uh, we have all these, I've asked him, you know, all the time, you know, how, how did you sort of develop this, you know, this sort of style? And, uh, he doesn't really know. No. I think I'll tell you what I think part of it is. A good part of Suze's job uh, is uh, he, he, he has all these responsibilities as a music director. But one of them is just he can he can either buy the bumper music for his church or he can make it. Okay. And he often just makes it. Yeah. And so he's just sort of sitting there trying to get after this vibe that you would that is a very kind of chill vibe but not elevator but you yeah. need it to have some motion and a conclusion and i think this is what makes it unique it's almost like a jingle yeah but it's in these spots in a church setting where maybe yeah. the band is walking down and the guy's coming up and so like what's the level of like emotion it can't be too high it can't be too low it sort of has to crescendo it has to have an end and uh and there it is someone described his sound as copyright friendly 90s rock mm. so it sort of sounds like something you heard in the yeah. 90s <laughs> but different that's funny i'll okay. tell you what that yeah. um his performance his artial performance yes is yeah. like i i still go back to that sometimes yeah. as a reference point yeah yeah you know what i love about that that performance and everything is and the way that sort of came about is i think a really cool little pure piece of internet uh you know uh con camaraderie contribution yeah so brian carl actually had a song from passion brian carl made a performance and suze really liked like the delays or something on one of the songs I don't remember what passion song it was, yeah. but he said like, I love the delays and I, and, uh, and what you did here, you know? And, um, and then Brian said, oh yeah, it's, it's great. And then Sue started changing it and changing it. And, uh, eventually he said, um, he switched the amps out. He switched all the different stuff out and then said something like, hey, can I use your, hey, you know, Brian, can I post this for everybody and use your delays? The delays that Brian Carl and he said, "Yeah, of course." And we were sharing it in this Facebook group, and Suze had stumbled upon the Arshal, which is your amp, yeah, and had gone, "Wow, this is so full and thick and different," you know. And so he sort of like took the delays from, uh, I think, the chorus of one of Brian Carl's performances, yeah. and then just started. That became his main delay sound. Found like you know after trying, you know, because Suze. Uh, every week is trying yeah. new profiles, you know, pulled in the Arshal and that became his number one sound. And then we sort of, he sort of made the yeah. worship, you know, what is his go-to. Yeah. And then really uh, that sort of became the idea for him to build all of the worship 100, like actually right, yeah. change out all the things, you know, and we use all sorts of different amps there, but the Seuss, I'll tell yeah. you, I know he still uses, I would guess... Two thirds to three quarters of the time at his own church, he's still using the Arshal. Yeah, you know, he pull pull out a new thing that he likes, but sometimes you just get it right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'll tell you why we haven't redone the Arshal. Yeah, because I'm afraid we won't do it as no, well. I, I, 
we we haven't talked about it. We haven't even talked about no. it. The reason I haven't brought it up, Stu, is that, I as I almost go. Same here. I, I would be so defeated if we said, Stu, let's redo the art. Let's do like a yeah. version two of the art show, and we showed it to Suze, and he would never say anything bad, no. but he would just go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would know, and I would know that's him saying I'm still going to play the first one. Yeah, you know? that's right. Sometimes you just get something so right. Yeah. Okay, so that was a that was a long uh, that was a long detour. Sue's had a question for you, yeah. and uh, the question was, okay, what is your favorite song to play? And I have I'm going to phrase it in two ways. What's your favorite song to play now with Smitty on the road? Like. And why is it a song that has a cool part, or what? What's the thing you look forward to playing mm. now? And with Smitty, you're, uh, the songs are changing a good amount, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's a, that, that's kind of a hard one because I really love playing Secret Ambition. Yeah, I think that'd be my top answer. Yeah, um, I love playing Secret Ambition. Why? Uh, because. Uh, I I just think that what Dan Huff did on the original recording right. is fantastic. Yeah, and um, you know it's the it's one of the things that I practice in the hotel room pretty much every day that I'm on the road with him because yeah. otherwise it kicks my butt every night. Yeah. You know? So uh, so secret ambition. I and then if I can just add one more on there, sure. I really love the the new version of Awesome God. Yeah. That um, that he did on the orchestral worship project. And that we've now incorporated into the live thing. I really love that. Yeah. Mm. How about back in the delirious days? What was the song you looked forward to playing? Yeah. Uh, You're going to do, there's no answer that won't disappoint some people. No, I mean, <laughs> like maybe my, like the, the, the song that's on the forefront when I think about it now would be the song Investigate. Yeah. Unfortunately, like thinking about that, that was the. That's uh, one of the coolest guitar yeah it, it, it's a really cool guitar it song is. yeah 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 uh but it was the we, it was always the encore right okay yeah. so i'm not thinking i was never thinking i can't wait to get to the end of the gig yeah you know because there's so many great things along sure. the way sure um you know miracle maker yeah um people are gonna comment majesty how majesty, is it not majesty yeah <laughs> right? honestly you know yeah i love that and talk about one three five yeah um yeah right yeah, so that was uh, the 135 was uh, Majesty, uh, Miracle Maker, yeah. Our God Reigns, yeah. in, in particular, those three songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, well, also, uh, someone's going to comment. Come on, My Glorious. How is yeah. that not it? Also on the 135, right? Did you play that on the 135? I did. Actually, the... I didn't do that live but on, on the, the 135. Studio, on the, the record, it's yeah. 135. With the park, with every control at 10. That's the sound, isn't it? The That's 135 the and the park dimed. Yeah. That's the My Glorious sound. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I used to use? No. Uh, a younger HW playing at uh, probably some youth event. Yeah. Uh, had a, uh, the first, I'm, I'm thinking like the first time I probably played that song was like, a Hamer Explorer yeah. into a wow. Line 6 Flex Tone 2. Nice. Like those pods. And yeah. The, a very, uh, that was a very early aughts guitar rig. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'd love to see that guitar. Ah, I, well, I wish I still had it. It was yeah. like a, it was one of those Korean made ones. Yeah. You know, later I figured out that the flame on it was like one of those photo flame finishes. Okay. Like they put the, so what they'll do is they'll get wood that's not figured. 
like your Les Paul doesn't have the flame. You can see the grain of the wood. Yes. You know, and so they'll take something that has a very plain grain, probably plainer than the Les Paul, but then they'll actually put, um, they'll actually put, if you can believe it or not, a film on top of it that takes away the grain. Okay. To sort of haze it out. And then they'll put another film on top of it that has tiger stripe. Oh, no way. And that's how all those cheaper guitars sometimes have those really nice looking tiger stripes. Right. You know, they look very like flamed out. It's not high quality maple. Wow. It's just, (laughs) they actually put like a printed tiger stripe on it and then they finish over it. And uh, anyway. Things you learn on this podcast. I know. This is uh, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, Yeah, that was, um, it's funny. At the time though, listening to my glorious, I I would have thought this has to be like a rock guitar. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and you know the park's like a Marshall, so not not far yeah. away, but but um, I wouldn't have never have guessed. Yeah, now sort of listening, I could te- I I understand how sounds can be deceiving and can sound different. Yeah. You know what I mean, but uh, why'd you do it that way? Uh, well, you, just so experiment. That whole what? record, uh, my glorious, was that on um, Glow? It was, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so we were working with a. Uh, producer called Chuck's Wiki, and yeah. um, I learned so much about recording guitars with him. Yeah. First of all, the microphones that he brought over um, were old and very sensitive ribbons. Yeah. And so um, that wouldn't have in any way been able to handle like loud SPLs. Sure. And so we were using Marshall. Uh, Power air brakes, power, power brakes, brakes yeah, I think. The, yeah, 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 whatever they're called. The yeah. power brakes, yeah. And um, uh, so I'd be setting up a tone in the room with the microphone away from the, right. the thing. And uh, is it close mic'd or is close it far? Mic'd. Yeah, it was close mic'd, but I but I'd be I'd set up the tone without it being I see very close and, and full. And then he would come in and we'd kind of like dial the power brake into almost. Like to bedroom level, really, and I'd be like, "This doesn't sound anything like it." He said, "Come with me," and it, you know, and then, we go in the control room, and uh, I mean, it's it's mind blowing how your ears trick you, you know. Um, that's the, uh, the compression, the, the Fletcher Munson curve, yeah, right. Louder is, I mean, that's like JHS, right? Josh has that saying, yeah. "Loud is more good," yeah, and that's what he's talking about. It, just being a little bit louder tells your brain it's better yeah. in all these ways. Yeah. Because that's sort of how the ear functions. Yeah. Like we lose the heft, the, all the stuff. Yeah. And it starts to sound completely different, even though it's not. Yeah. We have very poor microphones. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But maybe they're not very poor. They they, they have a, their own signature. Yeah. You know, they, they do a thing too. And we... Yeah. It affects how we perceive sound. So, so you, I, so you I learned a lot. You know, you'd crank the amp and then you'd crank the power brake down and uh, yeah. and get these amazing tones. And um, yeah, it was like a real big learning curve. Wow. Uh, for me, I learned so much from Chuck actually. Yeah. And uh, um, even just in terms of dialing in delay. So one of my favorite recorded sounds of all time. Yes. Is. Um, on the song uh, uh, hang on one second I might have to cut this out <laughs> the song that everyone can sing God's Romance okay yeah, yeah. Uh, the, so one of my favorite recordings oh I thought you were going to say a U2 song like yeah, I thought you were thinking of an Edge uh, go ahead go oh ahead. no what are you yeah yeah so one of the <laughs> one of the one of my favorite recorded 
guitar tones that I've ever d- made yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was on Glow, and it was on the, uh, the outro of um, God's Romance. Yeah. And it's that, that stuff where it's just kind of um, like big delays that are wobbling. And uh, I don't really know any, how to say that any more technically. Yeah. But, you know, we were, um, Chuck and I were in studio on our own and um, there was this old Tokai Japanese yeah. strat laying yes. around in the yeah. studio. And, and we used that and uh, um, and probably my park um, and, uh, and the Line 6DL4. Mm. And we were just like in the studio on our own, yeah. just having so much fun, like manipulating that thing. Getting sounds, It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. So And, and I, to this day, it's one of my favorite uh, sections of music that we recorded. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, did you know that Stevie Ray Vaughan had an album, and I can't remember which one, where he's actually pictured on the front with a Tokai Strat? No. And because of his Fender endorsement, they just removed the name off the headstock. Oh, wow. So one of his albums, he has a Strat with no name on the headstock. Okay. And it's because he had been playing a Tokai Strat live, and I guess he showed up to the photo shoot right. with his guitar. Yeah. And that was the one. Yeah. And um, that's so funny. It really is fun, isn't it? Um, uh, being able to like dial in a tone for a track. Yes. And sort of not being held back by like, how will I recreate this or how will I use it on another yeah. part? You just dial in something very specific for that. And then later you have the problem of how will yeah, I play this? It, totally. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and you know, for um, a period of time, you couldn't recreate it. Yes. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier nowadays. Yeah. In figure- fact, I think what we did, we, we made a God's romance performance on one of the Kemper packs previously mm-hmm. And it's, um, I love playing with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Because it gets the sound. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's funny, like even, even when you were just making on this one, we had a, a couple patches called Brian Maybe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just, yeah. but you were doing sort of the harmony stuff yeah. that he does, but he's using, I guess it's a quarter note delay, right? And then he's yeah. sort of. And then what he's playing is harmonizing with the repeats. Yeah, that's right. Whereas on the record, he's just harmonized, putting right. in harmony guitars. Yeah. And you have to end up doing that. Um, I remember one time uh, uh, in my younger days being in a bar band and we were making this little record and I had, I had done a whole song with just a Strat and a Deluxe Memory Man and yeah. an Orange Amp. Yeah. And all the parts and stuff I did that night, you know, recording the whole thing. And then it was this huge problem later. How do I get these sounds? Because yeah. a lot of it, I would, I was playing and then we were just recording the runaway delay yeah, and I would yeah. let it run away and then I would bring it back a yeah. little bit and I would try to keep it going just a little bit so you could barely hear it so yeah. that it would just keep, bu- I could never do it live, you know, so I had to, um, I had to, you know, I had at the time the M9 had come out yeah. and it was my best solution was like, you know, uh, put it on a on the with uh-huh. an expression pedal yeah. you know and try to approximate it yeah. you know like that and it, it it always kind of worked but you know it becomes something else live yeah. doesn't it that's right it becomes a different um yeah a different thing yeah you know i always used to like going to see bands uh like growing up in the 70s and 80s i saw some incredible bands live and i always used to love the fact that when you see them live it kind of sounds like the record, but it's just that little bit more yeah, raw. Yeah. Like there has a little bit more, um, I don't know, it sounds more passionate in some ways. Yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I love I love that about it. That it was a little bit different, and you were seeing something that only kind of happens that yeah. night. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I always will look for a live record. Like if yeah. someone makes a live record, a live concert, I always look for that and prefer that over yeah. a lot most studio versions of songs. Yeah, you know, because just because for what you're saying, there's a lot of um, it. Just feels kind of more musical in a way you yeah. know what i mean it's more interesting i think i mean yeah. of course some songs are incredible you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> like you know but but yeah to hear bands do stuff live is uh there's a little more magic in it yeah you know? no that's good just, and just, like you, you talk about the brian maybe uh presets that we made yeah um you know that's just a little bit of fun because i have a red special like yes, brian yeah. may is the reason i started playing guitar right and um and so uh, just a couple of years ago, we did some Christmas shows with Mark Martell and we ended up doing, he's, the, he's an incredible voice of Freddie Mercury mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, has an amazing career doing his one vision of Queen concerts and stuff like that. But um, we did Somebody to Love. And so it's my excuse at last to be able to get a, uh, <laughs> get a red the, special from Brian the, May Guitars. <laughs> and so... Um, it and, and this patch uh, or the, this profile just started out as an experiment. Like, mm-hmm. I've got a. Um, it's on Helix and Kemper. It's on Helix yeah, and yeah, Kemper, yeah, so and I've got out. a. Um, I've got a Bino boost from Analog Man, right? Yeah. Uh, treble booster. Yeah. And um, uh, and it has like a Dallas uh, Dallas Rangemaster setting there, yeah. on it, which is what uh, Brian used to use mm-hmm. into his AC thirties, and so I thought. I just want to experiment with this. Yeah. And I had my AC30 kind of dimed at on the normal channel and then with the treble booster in front. He must have used a similar year to yours too as well, right? Yeah. It must be a 62, I actually 63. don't know. I know, he, I know he's got... I know he would have used several. I, I know <laughs> he's like... He's got a ton. But. Yeah, and I know, I know his, I've seen photos of it having the copper panel. Oh, right. So it yeah. puts it in that range. Like, yeah. I mean, it... it, it you know, now maybe it had a top boost kit added or whatever, but it would be yeah. right within those couple of years. Yeah. I mean, of course, he probably used a lot of things. He has a yeah. long career and everything. Um, but yeah, yeah no, you yeah. maybe you're right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But and um, you know what's funny is um, he uses the normal channel. That's right. And it wasn't until uh, that we got together and I really started playing your amp that I realized those years of AC30s, the normal channel does have sufficient brightness. Yeah, which uh, which really bright. later yeah. ones do not. Like the no. '90s ones. If there are uh, people listening who maybe most of their experience with an AC30 is a '90s, yeah. you know, Korg era AC30, which are, which are amazing amps, but they are not the vintage AC30s. No. They're kind of different animals, um, and maybe what makes them different is what makes them special. Yes, you know, they have a little more. They have definitely more bottom end. Yeah, kind of added in something like I would almost say it sounds like a newer amp. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have that like very shelved bottom end um i think hard to get a beatles tone out of the 90s yeah. stuff but that's that might be what makes it but the normal channels are quite dark yeah and uh e- e- the old copper top ac 30 62 63 yeah are not that way no they're not and we even whenever we're using your amp we'll have the tone even low the cut will yeah. be all the way cutting yeah. you know a lot and it'll still be even on the normal channel yeah very especially bright. if you put like gretch in there yeah. Like my, my duo jet. Yeah. It's like yeah. super bright. Yeah. Super yeah. bright. I, I remember the, one of the first times we got together. It might have been the first time in a studio with, with a bunch of your equipment. You plugged in that Gretsch that, with the duo Sonics into uh, uh, the AC30. 
and you play Day Tripper. Yeah. The amp's on 10. I mean, it's yeah. so loud. You know what I yeah. mean? You play Day Tripper, I think, on the bridge. Yeah. And that guitar, because if people don't know, those old Gretches, the pickups are never balanced. No. They're like the most mismatched yeah. balance pickups <laughs> ever. Yeah. Uh, old guitars, they used to just make one pickup, and then they would just put it in two spots. Yeah. The idea of a bridge and, and, yeah. and like neck wasn't there. And for whatever reason filter trunk whatever Gretsch yeah. used was always the worst mismatch and so you've got this thing so high with the with the, the yeah the, the pole pieces, the pole pieces yeah. are all the way up and it you just play day tripper and i instantly was just like that is the sound that's it, is, it. Isn't it? you just yeah. hear it and it's like yeah that's the that's that thing and it doesn't didn't sound like anything else i'd ever heard i think in yeah. person before you yeah know? yeah it's crazy yeah there's some magic in there for yeah. sure yeah, old. Who would have thought old stuff sounds good? Yeah. Um, would you say is Brian your biggest influence? Um, no, he's probably. I would say he's been the most important influence mm-hmm. because he got me started on guitar. Yeah. Um. So, um, back in the early '80s, um, so when I was starting to get into things, I I, I was listening to a lot of Rush. At the yeah. time, so Alex Lifeson was yeah. a massive influence, but then I was also into a lot of the British New Wave type stuff. So uh, and and the Police stuff like that. So yeah. uh, the Police, and then uh, so Andy Summers was a big influence, and U two were a massive influence. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and, and that's not surprising when you listen to uh, some of the Delirious stuff, like Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble or whatever. Sure, but um, um, who else? Dave Gilmore was a you know, from Pink Floyd, like funny story. Well, not funny story. Interesting. Yeah. If you like music, but um, I went to see Pink Floyd, the wall in 1980, mm-hmm. um, play it live at Earl's court, which are, I think I can't remember how many times I did that. Not, not many. Yeah. And, uh, so I was able to see the wall, um, show in at Earl's court and, uh, never forget it. Like one of the yeah most brilliant nights of my life. But, uh, Dave Gilmore. I mean, what a what a player, what a sound. Yeah, sure. Know? So, um, yeah. So you know, Brian May, Alex Lifeson, Gilmore, um, uh, Edge, Andy Summers, and mm-hmm. then in the '90s, um, you know, when when I first heard Queen Live Killers, the live album, yeah, like that stopped me in my tracks. The next thing to stop me in my tracks. Um, was the Benz by Radiohead? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, just going on like R- Radiohead became a. I mean, apart from the fact that I just love their music, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, the the playing of Johnny Greenwood and Ed O'Brien, and uh, you know, has, has been a huge influence um, since then. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. Uh, a great band, probably one of the most influential yeah. bands. Yeah, uh, you know. Maybe not the most commercially successful, although no. now very commercially successful, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're hard hard pressed to find a guitar player that doesn't mention Radiohead. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We were talking the other day about how loud the guitars are oh on those gosh. records. Yeah, like you listen to OK Computer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listen to Paranoid Android on mm-hmm. a, in a studio situation. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. I wish every album mixed my guitars yeah. that loud. And it somehow works with Tom York just sort of, I, I would say his style of singing 
it's almost like you can, it, it, the lack of clarity almost allows other things to be louder than him at times. Yeah. And it's sort of okay. It makes sense. It's like, yeah. you know, um, yeah, but beautiful melodies, you Incredible, know, yeah. kind of a, kind of a, you know, beautiful, kind yeah. of a beautiful voice, but also like a bit of a mumble. <laughs> it's interesting you should say that because the other day you know he's done a side project called the smile yes so i heard a smile track and i thought oh, that's, I, I didn't know what it was at first and i yeah. thought oh that's interesting that sounds like tom york but i can hear the lyrics yeah <laughs> tom york if you lit he actually has quite a beautiful voice yeah but their music is not i don't know i think uh well, I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say that. My opinion is he has a beautiful voice because I've listened to Radiohead, but uh, it, it's not always. It's it, it's not pretty. A pretty voice isn't really the sound of that band. So at times it's like the it's an instrument used, yeah. you know. And it, but even the way it's mixed and sort of um, sometimes pulled very far back, you know, yeah. and then layered on top of these very sort of dissonant or interesting sounding arpeggios or progressions Mm. uh it's a really complicated it is mix of things that's what makes it great and i don't think you can replicate it really no you know it's like uh it's like a like a almost like a a a a very expensive tasting menu and a fine right you know it's like all of these different things coming together and Maybe in the right format, they make sense. Yeah. But your your mother certainly couldn't put it on a plate and call That's it dinner. Right. You know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a weird thing. Um, let's talk about reverb. Yeah. Yeah. Your what, favorite reverb pedal. I know what you're using and stuff, but but in case people don't. Yeah. I don't know that I have a favorite. Like yeah. the my, the one that I use is the H9. Yeah. Um, even tied H9. Even tied H9. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I I like what I've got going on there. Um, reverb's a funny thing for me because I never used it in Delirious. I never used a reverb pedal in Delirious. Yeah. This is where I wanted to go because a lot of people don't know this. Yeah. And it's an, it's interesting. I did everything with delays. Yeah. Um, excuse me. <laughs> no breakfast this morning. Yes. Uh, uh, just tea. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I did everything with delays. Um, and I'd have like, typically I had a memory man mm-hmm. and a, um, and something like the DL4. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I then went on to the, um, the even tied time factor. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that had, has the like A and B delay. So, uh, did a lot more scope for experimenting with stuff. Yes. Um, I did use the, I had the mod factor pedal that has something called undulation on it. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, I used to use as kind of a faux reverb at times, but, um, yeah, I never really used, uh, reverb at all. I'd let the, uh, mix engineer like add what he wanted to on that. You sure. know, like I had, like the park has a spring reverb on it. The uh, tremor verb has spring reverb on it. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd perhaps sometimes when I was recording use some of that. But yeah, so when I you know moved to Nashville and you know the sort of more of the worship 
guitar scene was starting to come into being. When did you move to Nashville? 2010. Yeah. Yeah, so a year after Delirious finished. Sure. Um, but already, because um, of uh, like players like James Duke and his boss pedal. RV5. RV5. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which sounds incredible. I mean, what a player, but. Um, I think James still maintained that's all you need. Yeah, <laughs> I think he does. Yeah, um, yes. You know that it 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 started to become more used. So you know, I've kind of assimilated, honestly. Yeah. With the H nines and uh, and then whatever we've done with the profiles and things like that. Sure. You know, I you you do some things that. I know I know where they come from okay. because I pay attention to what you say your influences are in music. Yeah. But you do some things. I would say in several of your sounds that I think sound very churchy, you're using a relatively maybe a small room or a short plate delay. And then all of the stuff is is delay, the time element. Yeah. That, you know, sort of when you hit the note or when you play the chord, all of the movement that you hear is actually the delay ringing out and it, the ear hears the space. But when you, I can hear when you play it or when I look at what you've dialed in, a lot of times it's just an actual shorter verb that gives the whole thing a certain sound. Whereas upon first listen, you could just mistake it as a longer reverb. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to No, no. Sometimes you dial I hadn't it. really thought about that, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's much more the way an engineer would come afterwards and put tracks together and give them a similar sound and location, like the feel, by adding certain, like a verb to the entire track so that everything now sounds like it was in the same place. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. It, to me, that's... It's kind of what you like, what those plates, yeah, you know, are for, even like a smaller right. room or something, you know. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, we're getting into territory that's just very kind of like subjective and it like per, just personal kind of sure preferences. But um, but there wasn't a big sky. No, there wasn't <laughs> always. Right? No, that's and, right. And so, like the DL, the DL four was like. I can now I can tap in an analog sounding delay. I couldn't do that before. No, that's right. Like that was it, you know. That's and right. So now my delays could be dark, and I could tap them in. There wasn't like yeah. a big box reverb really yet no, that did that, and there no. wasn't like create these what we have now. No, that's know? right. And it, it, like with the DL4, I would always use an expression pedal, and you know, increase the the increasing the feedback of the delays was how I used to kind of create a longer yes. kind of bigger uh -huh. kind of space. Um, and I still do that to this day. And I guess that I'm just old school like that, you know. Um, when I listen to my favorite records, even records that are made now, or, you know, you go back to like Radiohead or whatever, um, there's not a huge amount of reverb yeah. on those. There's there's room sure. kind of sounds that, that the mix yeah. engineers kind of created that space like you're talking but it's about. it's not big ambient verbs. No, no, it's not, not big ambient verbs. And I love, I, I love it. You know, sure. like um, on the, on the Helix presets that we've done, there's like, um, there's, there's a snap called ambient because um, I couldn't fit the T in. Yes. 
<laughs> ambient. It makes you fall asleep. I know, right? It's just called ambient. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then there's big amp, uh, which yeah. is even bigger reverbs, and and that is increasing the size of the reverbs, you know, yeah. uh, and stuff like that. But um, and then when I've when I do use a longer reverb, even on my H9s, I'll uh, I'll increase the uh, the delay times, but I'll turn the mix down mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, and again, it just gives you that that sort of hint. But um, you know, I know that um, it it's it's kind of in vogue at the minute to, uh, especially in the, you know for praise and worship musicians uh, to do a lot of the uh, sound engineers work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, and create those yeah. big things. I I find it a little bit too much personally at times. Yeah, and it. All of that is like an extension too of sometimes I, I, I listen to Tim Pierce on his YouTube channel. Yeah. He talks about being in LA around the time that things shifted from the guitar players used to come in with a guitar and an amp. And that was it. Their signal chain ended at the amp and the engineer would bring in the mics and do all yeah. that stuff. And he talks about at some point in LA, it switched and you would bring in a rack and you had the mics, and then you were you were the guitar effects, uh, amps, mics. Then you would bring your mics into your reverb units. In the '80s, it switched to like now. I'm the guitar player started using his own Eventide and all this stuff, and then you were just sending two XLRs to the board, and that switched and became the guitar player move from like I'm responsible just to the amp, and then as effects came up, and a lot of those effects were post you know, post production effects, it moved to, I send just a direct signal. Right. And now, um, maybe even more, some of the bigger things that might've been post-production tricks in pro tools, like big ramping reverbs that, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that is now part of the guitar player. I know that when I record, uh, for like, you know, friends who are making records and stuff here, when I'm recording a guitar guitars for a track, I will go in and add, and producers have just done this with me, so I just know that it's, you kind of, it's commonplace to like add an ambient swelling guitar all over the place, and the producer can use it or not. Mm. It's sort of up to them, or you might add layers. I've seen you do this, where I watched you one time, uh, you did your rhythm tracks, and then you said, I'm just going to put on the fuzz and do all the rhythm at these choruses again, these big, and it was just... This way the producer can have this big fuzzy guitar, you know, to add on top of my rhythm track or yeah. not, you know, it's yeah. kind of up to them. And a lot of that like optional stuff that maybe you'd use just for bigness and stuff and these multiple layers is now it's that big ambient. It's like part of the guitar's yeah. responsibility. Yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 It's all palette, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, and maybe I've picked this up a lot from you, but I've done some videos. I did a video even last week. Uh, talking about delays on the Helix. One of the things I was talking about was having the delays in series with each Mm. other so that one delay feeds into another delay and makes this galloping effect. Mm. You obviously have this very long delay thing, but um, I was talking about how if you darken the delays, you actually can use very little reverb, and then you still have this quote-unquote ambient sound, you know? 
And uh, probably I've stolen that from you over the last couple oh, of years. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's probably been, a, <laughs> you know, that's probably been a been an idea, you know, that that I've. Uh, it's I'm all good. Like, of, there's no. Um, like sometimes you look back and you think, why was I so not secret? But why did I just want to hold on to all my ideas? And it, it's like because there's no there's no need to there's there's nothing secret. Just share what you've got. Like, yeah, yeah. You know and. Uh, I love I love that about music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great part of the chase for tone. Is like, uh, oops, I said chasing tone. Now <laughs> Brian Wampler will send me a cease and desist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's the that's the Wampler podcast, <laughs> which I'm supposed to go on. By the way, um, uh, we're trying to work out uh, uh, when exactly we're going to do that. Anyway, um, what were we talking? I I completely lost my. Oh, oh it's it, the, the the chase for tone. You know, yeah. you you can. You can be doing this for for ten years, twenty years, and then you'd like discover a new trick. Yeah, you know, and because uh, someone did something or had a pedal. Yeah, and it and it just is something that works. Yeah, you know, I know it's really uh, it's amazing. And the the what I love about like everything we've done with the 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 packs and the the Kemper and the Helix and things like that. You know, we're creating my sounds and my tones, but like you sound different when you play it than course, when I do, you know, course, yeah, and it's, yeah. um, uh, what I love about that is that, you know, you're not giving anything secret away. It's just like, yeah. uh, like it, it, they're, they're tools for people to use and become something themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It doesn't always, uh, it never sounds like, I mean, it, it's, you know, tone is in the fingers. Yeah. It's also in the uh, reverb algorithm, <laughs> right? Both are true. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Which is a very. Uh, it's funny because the, in the worship genre, you know, it is largely a. I'm trying to sound like the record. I'm trying yeah. to play exactly what's on the record and sound like the record. You know, um, in that way, it's kind of unique in yeah. the sense that when. You know, the worship genre is about, for lack of a better term, covering songs. Yes. And uh, not, not not everyone's like this, but there is often in a lot of places a large emphasis and just the default position of a lot of people is sound exactly like the record, play exactly like the record, um, which maybe goes back to some of our earlier, the difference between live and on the recording. Yeah. And all these things, because certainly I know, I, I, I know, um, you, you must run into this and I run into it. Every worship player runs into it. If they're listening, uh, eventually there are too many layered guitars. How could you play every part? That's right. So you sort of have to prioritize and, yeah. and play something a little different and That's do right. a thing. But, um, but it always sounds different. It always sounds like you, yeah. the Sue's always sounds like the Sue's, you know, yeah. there's a great video of the Sue's it's called ultimate Kemper worship tone okay it's the Sue's playing the Arshul and I think he plays it along to four songs okay it sounds like him the entire time yeah <laughs> you know what I mean yeah but he's playing very popular songs you yeah. know and it doesn't sound like me right and it doesn't sound you know yeah that's cool well uh that's this has been fun Stu I think this has been episode uh 90 was this at 98 this was 98 wow. of the Tone Junkie podcast congrats can you believe it no, it's great. What if, what are we gonna do for episode one hundred? You know, an idea we had. Sue's had this idea. We should get everyone involved with Tone Junkie together. Yeah. Because I realize, uh, like, I see you and I see Sue's, 
but you don't see the Sues that much. No, that's right. You know, and uh, or um, I have a, a great friend, uh, uh, Desi, Desi Serna, mm-hmm. you know, who plays on a lot of the demos. And then my buddy, Matt Revere, who's been playing on a bunch of demos. And he plays yeah. for uh, uh, he plays for Carrie Underwood. He's nice. a killer guitar player. Yeah. Killer guitar player, loves Sir guitar, so we have that a lot in common. Nice. But all these people don't always meet each other, even though even though it's there might be a video back to back. That's on the right. Same. Yeah. You know. That'll be fun. Yeah, we're all like from the same Marvel universe, but we, we are, haven't yeah. we haven't been in each other's movies yet. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, if Marvel is anything to go by, it won't be long before we are. No, it won't. It won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're on like episode uh, ninety eight also. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just well, Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, this has been fun. Um, really Susan, has. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll. Uh, I'm sure. I'm thinking of guitars. I'm sure we'll have you uh, back uh, very shortly. And yeah. um, the uh, the new Stoogy collection stuff is uh, is coming out in just a day or two at the time. Right. This will get out there. Uh, incredible tone match stuff. Uh, incredible profiles, and yeah. I think uh, a lot of the effects are really great too. I think. Um, the drives on the Kemper stuff, especially Great. very usable. A lot of this stuff has the new uh, Kemper fuzz a lot because because yeah. the Kemper fuzz wasn't out when when a lot of this was done the first time. No, so I've, I think I um, you know every time I plug my uh, Kemper into the uh, the the rig manager, it seems to want to update something. You know, yes, <laughs> it does. It does. Most most of those are bug fixes. Yeah. But I hear I've heard some rumors that there's some new Kemper algorithms coming out soon. Interesting. So um, a lot of people think maybe some mods are gonna change okay. because that is the one that hasn't really gotten the updates. Yeah, it's sort of the next one. We've got we had we got a reverb update, a delay update, a drive update. What's next? Yeah, you know, there's only so many EQs you can add. That's right. So I think modulation is coming next. That'd be good. We'll see. And That'd maybe, be very maybe good. they'll fix the bugs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm HW. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, as always, uh, you know, uh, like, subscribe, do whatever you want. Thanks for listening to Tone Jiggy Podcast. HW and Stu G out. <laughs>